All right, so we are here today to talk about travel, adventure, backpacking, and just seeing the world. I'm sitting down with uh, Jamie Thomas. Hello. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the recent trip that you were just on. Oh. Where'd you go? What'd you see? What'd you do? Yeah, the recent trip. Um, I just got back from Mexico and had, as always, a wonderful time. Um, Mexico, you know, I, I love different places and I love getting off the beaten path. And so my heart is really in destinations like Bolivia, Nicaragua, and the Philippines, places where not many people are always um, hanging out all the time. Yeah. How's your Spanish? Um, pero necesito practicar. <laughs> I need to <laughs> practice. Um, and más o menos es bien. It's okay. Did you study it at all? Or? No, never. Okay. Never took a lesson. I just kind of picked it up because here in the here in the States, we already know the basics. Um, baños, cerveza, and agua. And so, and um, the last word I knew was burro, which is donkey. <laughs> and so with those four words, I went equipped and I went down to Mexico and I did pretty well. And so nice. I could get by. Um, but with all my off the beaten path places that I really love to, to visit and to travel to all the time. I was surprised at how in love with Mexico that I am. I'm there yeah. all the time. And so this most recent trip, I went down to the central part of Mexico, which is San Luis Potosi. Or I think I pronounced that wrong. I think it's actually San Luis Potosi. And <laughs> um, just had some great adventures. And then out, and I was there for maybe 10 10, 11 days. And then afterwards, I spent four or five days in the Sea of Cortez on an island called Isla Espiritu. Oh, nice. Beautiful. Gorgeous and breathtaking. Is that your new favorite place in Mexico? You know, um, it it can be. I ended up driving through a town called Todos Santos. And um, although I didn't spend very much time there, I fell in love with that as well. So now my heart is divided between all these places in Mexico. I have not been out of the country down south yet. I haven't been to Mexico at all. I've been to Canada, and that's as much out of the country travel as I've done. Yeah, well, Canada offers some really great locations. Beautiful. The mm -hmm. closest I've come is southern Texas, and yeah, it's not the same thing, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're going in the right direction. Although, where did you go in Canada? Uh, just Vancouver. Oh, I yeah, love Vancouver. It's beautiful. It was mm -hmm. surrounded by mountains and everything up there. Oh. Yeah, I always say the best thing about Canada is that it's filled with Canadians. <laughs> I just, I love Canada. It's a very diverse city that we went to and a mm -hmm. lot of culture and mm -hmm. weird melting pot that it is. Yeah, you have um, all the surrounding, um, the suburbs that just, I love it because it's like visiting a country, but it's right there within Vancouver. So you have your Chinatown and you have Koreatown and, and you yeah. have a great Middle Eastern population and over in Surrey and other places but Vancouver yeah and it kind of surprised me up there the mm -hmm. diversity that they have yeah um so let's go back to the tropics it sounds like <laughs> that's more your kind of thing tropical I, locations and... yeah i'm addicted to beaches yeah, and islands yeah, who, who isn't <laughs> um that island you went to what how did you get there was it a little puddle jumper or was it a boat or yeah, um, so after being in San Luis Potosí, um, we jumped on an Aereo Mexico flight over to Todos Santos and the La Paz area. 
And then from there, we just kind of took a shuttle up and it dropped us off at the harbor. So we took a boat and that boat ride was rocky. How was it? Yeah. Small boat? It was it was an okay sized boat. You okay. could probably fit 20 passengers on it. But the, the ocean was a little bit rough that day. So it just meant that we had so much fun. We were hanging <laughs> on and uh, enjoying the ocean. Do you get seasick? Nobody got seasick. Oh, which awesome. Is good. Yeah, but the tour company that I was with, they did a phenomenal job of providing like anytime someone um, like beforehand, they asked if anyone got prone to motion sickness and they had they were equipped with everything. Oh, perfect. But, you know, there is one thing I'll never forget about the boat ride over to Espiritu Santos. And that is that we stopped on in a bay. And the owner of the company is like, there's whale sharks jump in the water. And so we put on our snorkel. Oh, no way. Yeah. And then we jumped in the water and hanging out right there were a bunch of whale sharks. These were juvenile. And yeah. so they were only the size of a school bus. Oh, that's still pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Do you have your scuba certification or anything like that? I do, um, oh. but you don't need it for, for this because yeah. you're always snorkeling. Did you get a chance to scuba while you're down there? I did in San Luis Potosi. We went to Media Luna, which is half moon, and we had the chance to go um, scuba diving because there are tunnels underwater and yeah. there's a petrified forest underwater. Did you get to see all that? Yeah. Oh, how were the tunnels? Did you... I would be horrified to go in something like that. <laughs> They're gorgeous because um, they have an opening. Like, although you're going through the tunnels, they have an opening to let the light in. Oh, nice. So you just have a beautiful setting that you're just kind of swimming through. I've got my scuba certification, but I've only dove around here. So it's only muddy water that I've seen. Omaha, I've never Nebraska. seen Nebraska and yeah, just around. Mm -hmm. They've got a bunch of places in Iowa that you can scuba, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's all mucky, muddy water, and there's not really <laughs> anything pretty to see. And the visibility is typically three feet in front of your face, and you can't really see anything. Well, there's a whole world out there. <laughs> I know. I need to get down south and scuba. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the the island was it was gorgeous. Um, Espiritu Santos. It yeah. was just beautiful. And we went swimming with uh, sea lions and just it's we went stand up paddle boarding, sea kayaking. Oh, no way. Yeah. You name it. We did it. it. And it was unlimited. Whatever you felt like doing, you just stood up and did it. What were the accommodations like there? Oh, well, that's unique. Really? That is unlike anything I've ever done before. Um, so right there on the beach, we had tents set up. Oh. Yeah, but it was luxury tents. So inside each of these beautiful tents is rugs and carpets and throw pillows and chairs and and the beds were I know this sounds ridiculous ridiculous cuz we're in a tent. Yeah. But they were the softest beds in Mexico. <laughs> and they're on the beach and they're in the tent and how is that possible? But they found a way. They are like sitting and sinking into a pillow. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And so you just kind of fall asleep because the waves are only like 12 feet away from you because yeah. you're on the beach. But, um, and the stars are as far as you can see. Was it hot or was it kind of cool or? Um, so I went kind of in December. Um, and because of that, the, the ocean was pretty warm. It's getting towards the end of the season. So although the ocean water is starting to turn colder, it's still a little bit warm from the summer. Um, but the temperature outside, it was pretty, 
It wasn't scorching hot at all. I would say maybe in the low 70s. You think that's the best time to travel down there? Um, I would definitely do maybe the summer or the fall or, you know, getting towards the winter like this. Yeah. Because you have, um, it's perfect for anyone who wants anything. They can just, for the people who don't like being scorching hot, it's perfect for, you know, November, December. But for the people who don't mind like extreme heat, then you can definitely have so much fun in the summer and mid, like midsummer, yeah. because you can always escape to the ocean and jump in and cool down. Was it pretty crowded or was it starting to thin out a little bit? We were actually the only people oh, nice. on the beach. Um, it's a private place okay. and it's an island that's not easy to get to. So you will not come across anyone else really. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, and we had the best part is that we had our own private gourmet chef who was trained in Mexico and Italy. Oh, nice. Yeah. So what do you make? He made everything. <laughs> we had, um, they definitely fed us well. We had two breakfasts every morning, two lunches, and a dinner, and then snacks. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so a lot of fish, um, a lot of chicken. He made so much homemade pasta and sauces. Is that the best place you ate the whole trip, or was there something better? You know, I don't think it gets better than no, that. No, the private chef, yeah. No, yeah, exactly, because anything you want, he can make it. And yeah, and everything is included. So you oh, don't, wow. it's not like you have to pay per meal. How do you get a trip like that then? Yeah. Um, well, this is a brand new company that just opened up a month and a half ago. And okay. so because I'm a travel agent and because I actually book a lot of people down to Mexico, then it works out really well that um, they bring me down so I can actually experience it. Cause, and that's, I think, what makes me a little bit unique is that going to see all these destinations across the world, you want to talk with someone who's actually been there. And yeah. so they definitely take care of take care of us. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So how long have you been a travel agent for and what made you want to get into that line of work? Yeah. Um, well, I've just kind of always been in the travel industry in one form or another, whether it's working for hotel companies or working for corporate travel or something like that. Um, I guess... I really tied it in with all my world travels. So 10 years ago, um, I kind of packed up my stuff and I moved to South Korea. And ever since then, I've just started traveling and working with some form or another with travel. So whether it's teaching English abroad or, or anything like that. So I've been definitely quite intensively getting to know like the every aspect of the travel industry over the past nice. 10 years. So a lot of people complain that traveling is so expensive and it's out of most people's reach. How do you, I mean, how do you afford to do all these things? And is it just one of the perks of the job or? Oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, for example, in about 10 or 12 days, I'll be heading to Hawaii. And it would be amazing if that was covered for my company, yeah. from a company or just from someone. But um, so it just, it's a little mix of everything. That um, and so sometimes I stay at all inclusive resorts like down in Mexico if you know it'll help clients that I book down there or a lot of times um, since I also work with Airbnb a little bit then I get to know Airbnb and that's what I'm doing around Hawaii a bit okay. and that's much more budget friendly yeah and I think it's really important to kind of get to know what every type of person wants to travel and so that's going to be a mix of airbnb or just hotels or resorts or even all-inclusive resorts 
Yeah. And so for for the budget and how to how to travel really well on a budget, yeah. um, that's something that that I've been able to kind of learn slowly but surely to where other people don't have to make the same mistakes I do, yeah. which is always good. Um, but I, I think it comes out of following your dreams. And so for me, my dream is to get out and take a trip and to see the world. It's not to own the biggest TV. Yeah. And, you know, some people, they really want, um, to own a newer car. And for me, my car is 10 years old. And so it's kind of, so for me, you can definitely take trips on a budget, but it's also, I think anyone who prioritizes travel can find a way to do so. And then with the cost of a TV being, let's say six, $700 or something, you can easily grab round trip flights down to, down to Cancun and a hotel down there as well. And for that same budget. And so it's, there's definitely ways to travel on a budget. It's just, you know, finding a way to make it happen and, you know, prioritizing that. So you'd say travel is your main priority in life right now? My only. Only priority? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, there's so much out there to see and there's nothing I find um, better than helping people see the world. I think it really closes, it takes down borders and it opens the world up quite a bit. And I think that's... That helps with people become more empathetic. They become more understanding, more culturally aware. And that's something I think the world could really use more of. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. So would you consider yourself more of an itinerary t- traveler or more of a wing it to see where things lead you? I, like on your next trip to Hawaii, do you have a mm-hmm. bucket list of things that you want to do or is it... Let's just see what happens. Um, you know, I've done a little bit of everything. There was, you know, maybe it was six or seven years ago that for Valentine's Day, I bought myself a ticket down to Mexico thinking I'm going to spend a few days in Puerto Vallarta. And um, when I got there, I realized it's not a dangerous country. And that was my first time going down to Mexico. And I just started traveling around. And then I went down to Honduras and Guatemala. Then I went down to, and I just kept traveling and traveling and traveling spontaneously until I made it down to Panama six months later. Oh, nice. And so I definitely have a lot of that. And I think that's a great way to travel because you kind of seize the day and you learn to live in the moment. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits that if you're able to do that, it can be hard because I find that people either have, you know, they have the time, but they don't have the money or they don't have the time and they, wait, let me rephrase that, (laughs) (laughs) that they have the money, but not the time, or they have the time and not the money. Um, and then the other way to, that I travel a lot is kind of organized to where you only have like six days. And so you go to, and you have to make sure that everything you want to see, you can get done. So you do have to organize it much better. So if you are short on time, it's really important to kind of organize it quite well. Are you organized for your trip to Hawaii? Well, that's what I was hoping to avoid. <laughs> um, for January, when I'm there in January, everything's organized pretty well. Okay. But for February, for my entire month, um, for the other four islands yeah. that I'll be visiting, I don't have a, a single thing organized. Which I find amazing. I love playing it by ear. I love seeing things as they come up and just doing what you feel like doing on the day. Yeah, exactly. It's really about seizing the moment. It is. And especially by doing that, you kind of, you're able to meet people and have, and get the, the best things of a destination are 
when they're added a little bit last minute, when you're sitting there in a hotel with a bunch of people or, you know, you're in the airport and with a bunch of people who you just met who actually live there and they're the ones that are going to tell you add this in. And if you really overbook each of your trips, like to the point where you can't add anything in or change anything. So it's definitely going with the flow as well. Yeah, and I'd say locals are the biggest resource that you can tap in a place to find out what the best thing to do is. Yeah, I I agree. Like I went to Vancouver and the people that we were staying with, we were staying at one of those Airbnbs and they would recommend things to do and things to avoid. And one of the things that we wanted to do was just labeled a huge tourist trap, just waste of money. And they sent us to another place that turned out to be amazing, this mm-hmm. incredible mountain range that you get big vistas and views at. Yeah, well, Vancouver, it's hard to go wrong in Vancouver. (laughs) There's just so much to do around there. Um, Like heading over to Nanaimo, the island off of Vancouver Island, and um, is Gibson, and there's a lot of things to to stumble upon there. Yeah. Have you been given any great advice from a local that you took to heart and tried something maybe that you wouldn't have? Yeah, quite quite a bit. You know, I was, I think it was when I was in Okinawa and I went to the airport and I was going to buy a a plane ticket to Singapore and I went to go do it and I was speaking with someone and they said, you know, Singapore is great, it's really great, but, you know, they'd really found so much, um, so much to do and so much culture in the Philippines instead. So that day I walked out of the airport with a plane ticket to the Philippines. Oh, nice. Yeah. And they were right that although Singapore does have its own charms and it has so much amazing things to offer for me, I really going to the Philippines really helped with my budget, which was very small at the time. So I was able to travel around the islands and, and everything for much cheaper. And I was able to do more and much safely as much safer as well, because if I were to go to the, to Singapore, I would have probably had to stay in really, really, um, Oh, cheap hotels. Terrible places. Yeah, <laughs> whereas in the Philippines, I could definitely afford a four-star hotel. Oh, nice. Yeah, and the and then, of course, everyone watched out for me there and made sure I was getting into taxis that were safe. And, yeah, so there's definitely pros and cons um, with the destinations. Yeah. But listening to locals, people who've been there, I mean, that's the best thing that you can do. Of course. Do you have, do you have like, a short list of the places that you've been? Do you know off the top of your head? You know, there's, um, it's been a wonderful 10 years. I've been to, I just got back from Cuba, which marked my 40th country. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but that means that there's, I, it would take me way too long to list every country (laughs) that I've been to, but some of my favorite, I, you know, I really like Bolivia. I know I've already mentioned it. Um, the things that happen there with the landscapes and the mountains and, and the geographical wonders, it's, you don't feel like you're on earth anymore. The things you stumble upon in Bolivia, um, it really feels like you're on a different planet. But I also, I really like Cuba so much. It, it just it's so cultural and so untouched when you get out of the big cities and having the opportunity to to travel in the kind of in backpack across the country and was great. So what happened with that whole issue? It opened up recently and now everybody's flocking there obviously from the United States, but it was always open to other countries. So it's always been a popular travel destination, but so do you know 
what happened with that whole situation? Yeah. Um, well, I'm a Cuba specialist, so that yeah. means I kind of keep up with uh, everything happening with Cuba. Um, the other countries, especially Germany, have been calling it, the, you know, have been just traveling there quite a bit without hesitation. So I always joke that in Havana, um, the capital of Cuba, there's almost more Germans than there are Cubans. And that's one thing that I just love because when you're traveling, as, as wonderful it is, as it is to be able to sit at a table and have dinner or have drinks with, you know, the locals and so with a bunch of Cubans. But one thing that I love just as much, if not maybe a little bit more, is to have a few Cubans and, and people from all over the world. I love meeting people from across the world in every country that I go to. And so I just, I love the cultural diversity that Cuba has. Yeah. Um, and it definitely is going through changes. So when you go there, I mean, you're not the only tourist that you're, you're going to that is going to be around. You're going to be surrounded by people from Germany, Netherlands, Canada. It's definitely um, a great country for Canadians to get to. So it's going through a lot of changes right now. Would they, would you call them good changes or bad changes? Or <laughs> do you foresee the mm -hmm. place falling apart? Or You know, um, I in different ways it would fall apart and in different ways it would come together. Yeah. So as far as the local culture, um, as far as the local culture, I think you would definitely see that change a little bit because they would have to, I, I mean, a lot of properties like Marriott and Hilton have now, and Sheridan, especially the hotel chain, have moved in, have moved in. And oh. so they're kind of taking buildings and, you know, scraping out the insides to, because Amer a lot of Americans, a lot of um, other nationalities, they want a hotel that they're very comfortable with and their standards of hotel are different than what's currently there. They want a name brand. Yeah. And you're going to yeah. see McDonald's move in. and Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I believe that, uh, you know, you only have to look at Cusco, Peru, and realize that the beautiful Plaza del Armas, which is the main plaza right there in Cusco, it's speckled with McDonald's and Starbucks, and oh. I think they even have a KFC. Which is sad and horrifying in some respects and yeah yeah um so with cuba i think um it's it's better to get there sooner rather than later um it hasn't opened up completely you can still only travel there for the 12 main reasons which are going to include religious or sports or governmental or people to people and so a lot of people are going down on the people to people. And that means that you need to have an itinerary beforehand of 40 hours or more per week of cultural exchange activities that that you're going to fulfill when you get there. Oh, fun. Yeah. So it's possible to do it. Um, and But you just need to make sure you do it right because yeah. they're auditing for everyone who goes down to Cuba. So definitely do it right. Oh, wow. What do you mean by auditing? Um, it is definitely illegal to go down as a tourist. So, so we can't really go down there and sit on a beach for, for two weeks and, yeah. you know, call it legal. Um, so we do have to go down for, you know, people to people. Or Specific reasons, yeah. Exactly. And so the government, our government, is auditing anyone who travels to Cuba, just following up to make sure, like, hey, where's your museum stubs? And, you know, where's where's your proof that you, you know, did a few people to people things. Yeah. So Do you see that changing here in the near future, probably? 
with it kind of depends a little bit i would love to see a change just open up the border and let people exactly and let people and it would help the the locals so when i when i had a chance to travel down there i got to know quite a few locals very well and just from traveling across and they're such open people and and you know they're surrounded by people from around the world but not many americans hardly any americans but they're they Cubans love Americans because the first thing that they're going to do is tell you how their brother lives in Miami or their neighbor's aunt lives in like Atlanta or they just they can't wait to tell you how they have relations with with America and they just they they love us because we're the people American people are their neighbors maybe they're not as fond of the American government and that's another story (laughs) But as far as American people, they just, they welcome us with open arms, every single one of them. Oh. And so I I think it would be great if we were able to open up the borders and actually be able to go in and, and help um, close the bridge that's been, that's been built and dividing these two countries for so long. Yeah. And we're back. With, and I'm sitting here with Jamie and we're talking about travel and let's get back to Cuba. Yeah. Beautiful Cuba. Cuba is such, is such a life-changing country. Cuba was um, one of my favorite trips that I've ever done. It's it's both the best country I've traveled, but also by every extreme, it is the most difficult country that I have ever traveled. And um, while I was trekking across Cuba... I came across a lot of people who weren't as well-traveled as me and hadn't, um, you know, experienced um, how to get out of a lot of bad situations, um, such as what happens if the ATM eats your card or what happens if um, if all the buses that go, that go back to the airport are suddenly canceled and, and all these situations that happen in Cuba quite a bit. And a lot of people I came across, they were... They were having a really hard time because with Cuba, you know, we're we're travelers. We weren't born and raised in Cuba, not all of us. And so we our stomachs aren't as accustomed to the water, whereas locals can drink the water and it's safe, 100 percent safe for them. But it just has a different balance than what is what our bodies are used to. So we'll kind of have some stomach issues if we drink the local water. Um, However, to get around that, we easily just go to a grocery store and get some bottles of water or we go to the corner store or, you know, anything like that. But they don't have everything is um, blocked off in Cuba. They, you know, with the embargo. And yeah. so unless and why would they really make much bottled water there in the country for themselves? And so that's that's one of the one of the huge challenges that people faced is that you can kind of find bottled water, but but very rarely. And so a lot of people that I came across were really dehydrated, were, you know, out of money. They didn't know how to afford um, the bus back to the airport because they were completely out of money. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really expensive. There's no wire transfers, so it's not like your parents can help you out if you run out of money. Just a really, really difficult country. So that's one country that that I really suggest go with a, a tour operator or just someone who knows all about it because it makes the entire difference of, you know, having the time of your life and having everything destroyed and ruined. 
And I wouldn't think Cuba would be all that expensive. It doesn't seem like an expensive place, kind of like Mexico and stuff like that. But So you're able to find bottled water easily in places like Mexico, though, right? Yeah, flawlessly. Okay. It's so easily. You just go to a grocery store. And it's right there. Yeah. But Cuba doesn't have the big imports that Mexico does from... And they don't really have grocery stores very often because everything is rationed. They have ration oh, stores. still. Yeah, and wow. the ration stores are very interesting. Quite a culture shock to go into. But that's what makes it really difficult is that, you know, I'm, you know, this girl living in Nebraska. I don't have a ration card. Yeah. I can't get a ration card. So where am I going to get groceries? Because of the embargo with Cuba, everything is so expensive. So expensive. It's quite an expensive destination. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's with it opening up, um, I think that there's going to be a huge inflow of people coming in. And goods, hopefully. Yeah, and goods. If the embargo is lifted, which um, is something that the Cuban people really want, because just things like paint for their house or windows for their house to help with kind of the cooler months, which is December, January, February. And there's all this stuff that they really want and need, but because they don't really make it in Cuba, they don't really have it as much. And so if the embargo is lifted, it just, it really helps out not just the country of Cuba, but the entire world as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So let's talk about some crazy stories. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't really know where to start though. <laughs> Well, let's start in Mexico. Do you have any from Mexico? Yeah, definitely, definitely. None that you're willing to share. <laughs> I'm trying to think. You know, one of my one of my favorite um, memories was actually just a little bit south of Mexico, right after I left Mexico and traveled down. It was in Guatemala, okay. which borders. And in Guatemala, I had the opportunity to be in a little tiny town and have the chance to hike up the volcano Pacaya, I believe is what it's called. I haven't thought about it for for years and years, but I think it's Pacaya. And I was going to hike up it. And so I'm thinking, you know, this is a volcano and this is as opposite of Nebraska as what we can get. And, you know, I'm going to put on my my sneakers and, you know, I'm going to go and hike up the several hours to the top and it's going to be amazing. And how great would that be if I could roast marshmallows? (laughs) on the lava and so i then made a mission that i am going to find marshmallows in this tiny guatemalan town and so i go to a grocery store and i'm trying to figure out how to say marshmallows in um in in spanish and i learned how to say them in a bunch of other languages like um i think it's danish that it's skimp producer and uh, you know and so i had it in a few other languages but in spanish i wasn't really sure so i just tried to tried to relate to to all the shop clerks and the grocery store attendants like i need marshmallows because there's a volcano and there's lava and i like sugar (laughs) and so i finally found a big bag of marshmallows and these things are the size of each marshmallow is the size of your fist they're massive yeah, huge huge marshmallows and they're like pink and blue and yellow and so i'm like well they're not quite puff- puffs is that what our marshmallows here in the states are called yeah i believe so are the brand puffs maybe yeah, yeah so they're not that <laughs> they're a guatemalan style marshmallow but i put this big bag of marshmallows in my backpack along with a bunch <laughs> of water and a few band-aids 
and I, I start up the volcano. You know, it took a long time to get to, to the top because the terrain is so difficult. I wasn't expecting that. Um, the the sand towards the top turns into like little rocks and, and it's really loose. And towards the very top, every step you take, your foot sinks in yeah. about half a foot, like six inches, 10 inches in. And I finally get to the top. Because it's Guatemala, they don't have as many um, rules as what some other countries do. So that means that you can easily just go straight up to the lava. You know, when about an hour or two below... I had picked up a stick because I knew these are the last <laughs> you need few the stick sticks to roast the marshmallow. <laughs> yeah, and then went further north, and all the trees um, disappeared at that point because it's too high. Went up to the to the lava and roasted marshmallows. It was just such such an experience that we don't really have in Nebraska. Well, no, I can see why too. Yeah, <laughs> we barely have a hill, let alone a volcano. Yeah, the only big hill I know of here in Nebraska is, um, you know, it's not even in Nebraska. It's Mount Crescent in Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> so not too far away, but of course they throw snow on it and that's what we ski down. Yeah, and it's a faux mountain to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roasting marshmallows on a volcano. In Guatemala. Now, did you forget the graham crackers and Hershey's? Oh, I gave up on that. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no way that I was going to be able to find graham crackers in Guatemala. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had the marshmallows and it was good enough. And there were a few other people up there around the lava, none that were getting as close to it as I was. And they were just, they looked at my marshmallows and they were just like, how do you know to bring marshmallows up the volcano with you? <laughs> so, Or they were horrified. <laughs> well, and I shared. And then we were all friends. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I also, one of my other favorite memories from just kind of traveling is when I was in the Amazon. The first time I was in the Amazon, we were, we took a canoe up and spiders everywhere. You won't believe the size of the spiders in the Amazon. And for someone like me with arachnophobia. Oh, it's a good place to be. Oh, uh, the yeah. best. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, yeah, it was uh, a bit difficult. Um. Because the spiders up there aren't aren't typical. They have like eyes everywhere that just kind of look back at you. Or some of them are just so massive that they aren't even afraid of you. They just kind of walk next They're to you. They're there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and but... you don't know what's poisonous and what's not. And Exactly. Oh. Yeah, it was it was quite difficult. Um, so we had the chance to go jump in the the boats and we're rowing up and down the amazon there's no one else around of course because we're deep in the heart of it to just chime in and they're the alligators they're everywhere and they're massive as well and there's all these animals then they the guides that we were with say that when the pink river dolphins are in the area the caiman are afraid of them so they'll leave the water and they'll actually go onto the banks and that means that it's safe for people to swim and so we're going up and down the river and then we see a big gray blob like jump out of the water and fall back in and the guide's like oh it's river dolphins and he's like so you guys can jump in and so <laughs> without thinking we all jump in and you know apparently we scared the dolphins away though pretty quick so the guide is like after a few minutes he's like okay guys come back in the boat we go back in the boat and the caiman are disappearing 
off the banks back into the water and disappearing into the Amazon. Um, and so we quickly scramble out of the water and back into the boat. And I'm like, yeah, I just swam in the Amazon. That's so cool. Fast forward 24 hours later and our guide says, you know, we're getting, we're eating breakfast and getting ready for the day. And the guide says, hey guys, we're going to go piranha fishing. And he takes us to the exact same, same spot, spot. <laughs> that we went swimming the day before. We, and so it ends up that the river is overflowing with piranhas and oh, they're yeah. everywhere. And what he failed to mention to us the day before is, yes, you're swimming with piranhas. Hopefully you're not bleeding and hopefully you don't have a cut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He probably should have should have said something. Should have brought that up in the first place. Yeah. 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 But it makes you appreciate every day. Did you catch day. any piranhas? We caught so many piranhas so many piranhas you put a little piece of meat onto the surface of the water and there's a feeding frenzy oh my god they were and so we're just like and there's maybe six of us on the boat and we're just pulling in piranhas faster than than what our guide can take them off because the trouble with fishing for piranha is that you know you have a piece of meat and a hook but who's gonna reach into a live angry piranha's mouth (laughs) to remove the hook so none of us were brave enough to do it so the guide and and was the one having to like quickly try to fight the hook out of the piranha's angry mouth for every one of us and we would throw our hook back in and catch another piranha he was going as fast as he could oh how does piranha taste yeah they they don't do much prep work when they feed you when the cook yeah. cooks up all these piranhas that we ate they basically just take the giant piranha and these were the yellow be- belly piranhas and they put them on the grill and then they put them on a plate that's it that's they don't it. even clean them or anything no, no. Oh, and God. so we you know for dinner after you know we're after we caught piranhas and just kind of went looking around at a bunch of other animals and experience and played with monkeys and stuff like that then we went back and gave the cooks our catch of the day, all these like piranhas. <laughs> and then we went to shower and clean up and get ready for dinner. And so we all come back for dinner. We're sitting in the in the table, which is outside. And the cook comes over bringing this plate. And we're all really excited because because these were piranhas. And how often do you have a chance to eat fresh piranha just caught that day? And, or piranha, even. <laughs> or pra- exactly. So she sets down this giant plate in front of us, and none of us reached for them. They, they were, they look angry when they're cooked. They l- I think they always look angry, don't they? <laughs> they look even <laughs> angrier when, you know, I, I wish that they would remove the heads or something. They just it's, it's a little disconcerting when you eat any fish that has the head still left on it. Yeah, quite a bit. But, but all you see when you look down on it is these giant teeth on each and every piranha. <laughs> and so to make it, so she saw that none of us were really reaching for the piranha. We're just like staring at this plate that she put in the middle of the table. And so she's like, uno momento, uno momento. And she goes into her little cooking cabin and she comes back out and she hands us all a bunch of lime. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that was the missing ingredient that you guys were all needing I to. That's, to, that's what she it? was hoping. I'm assuming you did try it at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after the initial shock of how angry, um, cooked dead prana look, yeah. um, then, you know, after a little bit, we slowly reached over and put, you know, and tried them. They're really bony. 
Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, they're really bony, but you know, a little grisly, <laughs> but you know, I can't be too picky. We didn't have my, we didn't have a Walmart right there. No. <laughs> so, so you just kind of eat what they give you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't do it again. Oh, I would definitely do it again. Eat prana. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Oh man. Um, I would probably take a few more pictures first, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's things like this that, that we travel for. It's these crazy moments. How often, you know, as you put out, how often do you have the chance to eat piranha, let alone a piranha you caught exactly. from the spot that you went swimming the day <laughs> before? Every morning they had a giant kaimen with huge teeth come up. Every morning, you know, we would walk out of our little tiny shack type thing that they had us in, which is just basically a bed with a mosquito net over it yeah. under a tarp. And that's what we slept under. Every morning we'd come out and there'd be like 10 feet away kaimen because you're in the wild. Yeah. And so you just learn not to go to the bathroom at night <laughs> at all. <laughs> so one morning, you know, there's there's the, the kaimen and... And the guide noticed that all of, you know, the six of us who were there are really standoffish and terrified of this kaiman, of course, because he's like 14 feet long. Because it's a giant kaiman. Exactly. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, that's just Pedro. <laughs> they name them. That's horrifying a little <laughs> bit in its own right. Yeah. Yeah. So Pedro was just kind of the, the kaiman that just hangs out that you don't get very close to. <laughs> that they're probably feeding scraps at after the... <laughs> dinner or whatever exactly the piranha bones oh god mm. <laughs> yeah but the amazon is really one of my favorite places that i traveled another one of my favorite places was we talked a little bit about bolivia yeah. and i had the chance to go to a place that not many people get to which is potosi and potosi used to be this really wealthy mining town back in the day they they open up this this mountain or this hill it's actually kind of looking more like a hill they found all these wealthy minerals in it so they developed this huge this huge mine and just the problem with it is that it's in bolivia and they you know have different rules than what yeah. other countries have they don't have let me rephrase this they don't have a single rule yeah. So anyone grabs a stick of dynamite, puts it anywhere they want, yells clear, and blows up holes anywhere. So it's going to come crashing down. It yeah. is inevitable. There's just nothing's held up and there's just holes going everywhere. Nothing's reinforced. It just It's a little bit crazy. When anybody finds a rich mineral deposit, then they hire a bunch of their buddies to kind of protect it because anyone can come in and then take that away. Yeah. So I had the chance to go into the mine. Oh, and God. <laughs> yeah. I put on a hat, a hard hat. In order to get in, you kind of have to say, you know, give a thanks to the miners who are around you because they're letting you come into their work. In the meantime, they're digging away and mining and blowing stuff up because you're in there interrupting them then it's a good idea to kind of bring a little gift. And so outside of the mine of Potosi, there are little stalls for the miners where they can get, you know, a shovel in case their shovel breaks, pop. They have um, really hard alcohol as well, which is um, the same type as Everclear is what we drink here in the States. It's really, really hard stuff. Um, dynamite, fuses, small things like that. And yeah. so... 
They let us into all these little miner shops and we can buy whatever we want for the miners. So, of course, I stock up on dynamite. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I'm there with the person who's going to take us into the mine. I'm like, okay, you know, dynamite's only like, you know, how much, how much was it? It was the equivalent of like a dollar a stick of dynamite. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, I want to, I want to buy five sticks of dynamite. And he's like, okay, well, pick them up. I'm like, no, I want to buy them for the miners. He's like, yeah, you got to carry them. I'm like, no, no you're kidding. No, I don't want to touch that. <laughs> I'm like, you're kidding. He's like, yeah, as long as they don't have the fuse in them, you're okay. <laughs> so what do you do? So I, I picked up the dynamites in my left hand and the fuses in the right hand. <laughs> that's kind of, you know, I thought that's the safe way to buy dynamite. Just keep them in separate hands. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that was... In Potosi, I, I hope that they don't let people do that anymore. Really? Yeah, it's a great mine to see, but but when you can when anyone can come up and buy a bunch of dynamite. For nothing, it sounds like yeah. For dirt cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bolivia, it it really is. It's as if you're on a different planet. Yeah. Beautiful. What kind of scenery is it? Um, I had the chance to go up to Solar de Uyuni which is um, the largest salt flat in the world. And they say that this salt flat is actually bigger than the big island of Hawaii. The salt flat is just, it's a different plane. It used to be the world's largest saltwater lake millions of years ago. And of course, when it dried up, it created the most even flat surface. And so when it rains, which it doesn't happen very often, it creates a perfect mirror reflection. Yeah, I have heard about that and seen pictures from it. But yeah, yeah. it's quite popular. So it's places like that that um, Bolivia really just kind of is, the landscape is a gift. Yeah. It really is to the world. And you have flamingos up there and you have like green lakes and red lakes and it just all these weird things that are in one little country in wow. South America. Yeah. I'll put that on my bucket list for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jamie, tell us how people can find you. Yeah. Well, my name's Jamie Thomas. Um, I'm quite well known as, uh, as a traveler here in the Midwest. And so you can find my photography under World Reflections Photography. Or my agency is www.adventureandleisure.com. So the name of the agency is Adventure and Leisure Travel Experts. And so I specialize in adventure, Hawaii, Mexico, and the Caribbean. So do you have any parting words of wisdom for us? Yeah, just for anyone out there, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you most likely have an interest in travel or backpacking or trekking or or just something. And, you know, get out there and do it. Find a way to make it happen, whether it's getting the plans and taking the first step, which is just buying the plane ticket or speaking with a travel professional or reaching out to Brandon or to other people and just, you know, asking for a little bit of, bit of advice or anything, you know, just, just take that first step and do it because traveling, it really does just, it's, it's a gift. It really opens up your life and it opens up so many possibilities and so if you're thinking about it just just go for it just do it just do it (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you very much